Hi there, and welcome to Enterprise Software Innovators, a show where top technology executives share how they innovate at scale. In each episode, enterprise leaders share how they're driving digital transformation and what they've learned along the way. I'm Evan Reiser, the CEO and founder of Abnormal Security. And I'm Sam Motamidi, a general partner at Greylock Partners. Today on the show, we're bringing you a conversation with Alvina Antar, Chief Information Officer at Okta. Okta helps enterprises understand the identity of their customers to create optimized digital experiences and simultaneously helps them understand the identity of their workforce to protect software applications. In this conversation, Alvina shares her perspective on data decentralization and the best practices for product-led technology organizations. Well, cool, Alvina. Thank you so much for taking time to chat with us. Super excited for you to join us for a bunch of reasons, which we'll go into. But yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Maybe just to start, can you give our listeners a brief overview of your role at Okta? Yes, I'm CIO at Okta. I've been at Okta for just over two years now, and I lead a business technology organization, which is you know really truly positioned to drive and enable people, process, technology, and data for the enterprise. So being a high growth company like Okta, there's a ton of process, technology, and data with people at the center, and that's what we're focused on. We are a happy uh, Okta customer. And one of the reasons why it was really important for us is because we have more and more employees right, using more SaaS applications, and we're you know trying to digitize. We're kind of going through our own digital transformation, trying to get all these business processes encoded into software. There's probably some version for that for you guys as well. Anything you can share about like you know how you kind of help elevate and accelerate the business to make sure... Again, people aren't kind of stuck in the status quo. Data and insights at the speed of the business is huge for us, you know, especially being a high growth organization. There's not enough data, you know, and really being able to be in a position to accelerate our self service capabilities and democratize data for every employee, not just having the enterprise data capabilities within business technology, but being able to make that data accessible to everyone. And we've had a huge, huge focus on product telemetry and usage, you know, especially being a subscription business, being able to have deep, deep insights in at the feature level of usage of your products to ensure, you know, one of our top values is loving our customers. Well, if we don't know how our customers are using our products and features to be able to have meaningful relationships and really make sure that they're wildly successful using our capabilities then you know, we're not doing our job, right? So the data is key to that. We've recorded dozens of these episodes. Probably like the most used phrase is digital transformation. Probably the second one is probably democratization of data, right? And so I was curious, like, are there any specific anecdotes you can share about how you guys have done that and kind of like the impact that was able to create or maybe how you enable Okta to do something that couldn't actually have happened with kind of like the default path it is the new buzz phrase, but it's so, so necessary, right? Without data, you know, how can we truly make decisions without trusted data? Without, I mean, we have too much data. We don't even know what to do with the data. That's right. Yeah. Let alone, you know, making that data transparent and available to everyone and making sure that you actually understand what the definitions are and that you're consistent when you're in go to market versus finance, yeah. making sure that there's consistency in what these definitions are. And so there's been a lot of effort being placed on building a data catalog mm. and, and really driving governance of data definitions, you know, through a centralized application that we've built, which we call Compass, which maintains this catalog of data that's available to everyone in the organization. 
And uh, I mean, when we talk about data, right, which is called cross-functional data, where you're looking at CRM, you know, ERP, kind of everything coming together. And that, that's a luxurious problem, right? That probably this generation of companies have that maybe didn't exist 20 years ago, where a lot of the data was siloed into kind of different functions and kind of each team did their own thing. And it sounds like what you're saying, which I totally agree with, right, is there's now there's an opportunity to kind of bring all this stuff together and that can yield insights and opportunities for the business, right, to help us, you know, be smarter and also ultimately more effective that maybe didn't exist in the past. And so is that kind of how you see one of the opportunities for IT leaders is to kind of, you know, you kind of take leadership in this kind of cross-functional, both aggregation and the distribution of the data and insights? A hundred percent, Evan. And it's, so we talk about product data, right? It's ingesting product data and then making that product data along with the enterprise business data readily accessible, right? You know, what good is the product data if it doesn't tie to the accounts and, and all the business data in the enterprise? And so that is a huge, huge opportunity. Are there any like tactical best practices that you would kind of recommend to help drive innovation? Like how you think about designing kind of the cadence or how you themes in your one-on-ones, like anything kind of tactile I could like put in my CIO playbook? Well, what I would say, okay. And, you know, I have to remind myself of this every day, right. And, and my entire team is that, you know, a lot of times as a business technology or IT function, we get challenged with dates. You know, the business is, is like, you know, I need this and I need it. Of course. In Q1, I need this like at the beginning of the fiscal year, it's, re- it's required, right? And the dates are already given to us before we've even assessed, you know, the scope, let alone yeah. understand what it's going to take to actually deliver. We need to have inner confidence, you know, that we are the technology experts within the organization and that is our job. And so we shouldn't feel pressured to commit to unrealistic timelines that are that we're either not going to meet and fail miserably and lose credibility immediately because we've committed out of pressure and didn't deliver or we deliver a half-assed solution with poor design and poor implementation that ultimately creates so much debt that you're needing to have to create another program after you've delivered because you felt pressured to commit to the original timeline that wasn't even your date to begin with and so you know that is Honestly, one of the biggest challenges is like, if we're truly a strategic partner, you tell us what your vision is and what your strategies are. We will, as the engineering, as, and that's why we've adopted this product operating model. We operate as a product organization. We're a product and engineering organization as the internal product and engineering organization for the company that's running our business. I like that. And so just as product and engineering isn't pressured, R&D isn't pressured. They're the experts of the technology that they're delivering to to sell to your customers, we should have that same mindset. And that is why myself and many of our peers are embracing this new product operating. You know, it's not just a name change. You don't just move people, move their titles. It's a mind shift in thinking of operating as product organizations with with end-to-end business capabilities. A product is opportunity to order. That's considered a product. Order to cash, that's a product. Yeah. And delivering those products are serving your business. Yeah, that's a really cool mindset. And like, I've heard kind of different versions of this, but thinking about like technical optimization of business processes, like, no, we're delivering a product, right? And those products are going to be increasingly, you know, more consumerized, right? Because that's going to be the experience that people expect in this digital world. Because you're right, it's more than just like the name, right? And the mindset, there's also probably some practical kind of 
operating things that right, you do in terms of how you intake business needs or communicate your know, product launches. I'm building my CIO playbook here, right? Like any advice for me if I want to go create that product organization, how does that work or any yeah, best practices you'd share about specific things I could be doing to help go enable the business, I guess? Yeah. So I would say, you know, first off, define the products, right? That you're serving, define every product and then define, you know, those things within your product operating model that span the products. Like, so data spans architecture, you know, spans all products. So your operating model, you know, the overall architecture for your operating model, define those products. And then the hardest part is defining product owners and business owners. Yeah. A single person, not 50 people, but one business owner that represents the business that can partner with your product owner, you know, to ultimately, you know, support the overall priorities for that product area. The product areas have interdependencies, right? And so does R&D, right? You can't necessarily, you know, for instance, you can't deliver a overall CPQ re-implementation, for instance, which many of us work on Been there. without thinking about multiple products that span the product area. But as long as you've identified the product owner and the business owner across each of those individual product areas, you then you know, bring in all product owners that span the program that have interdependencies that can then you know, deliver against those priorities. And I imagine you get really clear then about kind of who's the customer, what's the problem we're trying to solve, how can we help? Some of what you said, like that kind of puts the almost onus on your organization to do the innovation, right? Rather than people saying, hey, here's exactly what I need, right? Where, you know, you, you could risk devolving to a service organization. So I really like this like product-centric mindset, right? In the organization philosophy. Yeah. And then the way that you deliver is through these, you know, scrum teams that are ultimately able to be autonomous and to be able to have iterative, you know, delivery to the business. It ultimately increases the velocity of your organization and helps improve, you know, just quality of delivery helps improve. One of the biggest challenges also is transparency, Yeah. right? You know, a lot of people think that, know that we're busy, you know, we've got a lot to do, but there is lack of clarity around what we're doing. Well, this operating model allows for transparency because you have a one snapshot dashboard view of what that product area is focused on. And holding that product team accountable for delivering against those commitments, just as a product or, you know, an engineering organization would be accountable. Like, you know, and so that level of transparency and accountability is huge. And why, you know, this operating model is, is so critical is that one of the biggest challenges for IT organizations is velocity of delivery. And so, you know, being able to increase the velocity is, is a huge area of focus for all of us. When you said data for thinking about kind of like almost like the product roadmap, right? Yeah. Do you find that like when your kind of internal customers have more visibility into that, right? Uh, like there's some benefits around accountability. Like do you find that it also drives like more empathy, right? Where it's like, oh wow, like these things, super happy you're working on those, not like priority 20, you know, CPQ optimization. A hundred percent. You know, not only does it help with empathy, although we do have thick skin, right? Every technologist does, which, you know, I think is important because we actually want the feedback. Totally. We want the feedback to get better and stronger, right? And so we want to build trust to where our business isn't just thinking, what the hell are these people doing, right? They're also able to have a strong partnership to where the feedback is provided to allow us to collectively get stronger and that there's joint accountability of getting stronger. It's not a pointing fingers 
This is a product operating model where the business has joint accountability within that function. The level of collaboration and joint accountability is huge. So we've committed to a to delivery within that quarter. You know, we've committed to our scope, but then project X shows up and is now the most urgent thing. Yeah. So how do you determine, you know, what's going to win, right? Is it, you know, because the most senior person shared that this is a top priority and now everyone's, you know, jumping to figure out how to consume without really being able to determine, you know, how to manage the existing capacity. Well, that view allows you to say, okay, I don't care who it is, who's asking. This is my scope. This is what I've committed to. If this program is a higher priority, tell me what's going to give. Exactly. Yeah. You know, obviously we have expert skills within certain areas. You know, we have financial expertise. We have go-to-market expertise. We have people expertise, people tech expertise, right? We have integration expertise, right? So we know the expertise within the product area. And so when the new project comes in and flies in and disrupts, you know, and creates all chaos, we know what product area and the stack rank of the scope within that product area and can have a really clear conversation around, tell me what's going to give so that we don't disrupt the team. Yeah. I love that because that actually creates a really productive dynamic, right? Instead of you talking to an internal customer, here's why this new thing is really important. It's like, oh, let's talk about the trade-offs, right? And kind of what swaps, right? And how do we best go deliver to help you as a customer? Mm -hmm. So I really like that. One thing we like to do is do a bit of a, a lightning round, right? You know, maybe do like five or six of these kind of lightning round questions. So maybe you can give us your quick take. But the first question, then Sam, I'll turn it over to you. Like, how do you think companies right, should measure success of a CIO? The success of a CIO is whether that CIO is delivering against the topmost company strategies, right? So is their team truly enabling the business strategies, the topmost business strategies? That's the measurement of, of success for this organization. I love that. That's nice and short and sweet. What's the most common mistake you see new CIOs or IT organizations make? The biggest mistake is that you know many leaders who have been around for a long time continue to operate as a service organization. We say yeah. we're a strategic, but you know you end up going to the norm. You know because your corporate IT function is operating as a service function and and measured on the success of employee success, which is a huge, huge aspect to our role, not going back to, you know, this service operating model, like that's just not going to fly. It's a recipe for failure. Yeah. I like that. Alvina, we have a number of startup founders who listen to the show and I'm curious, like what advice would you have for new startups who are looking to partner with a company like Okta? Those startups that I spend the most time with are those that understand my strategies, that take the time to understand my strategies and how they and their product can help me be successful. And so they're not just pitching, you know, their product in their generic way, but they, you know, they actually understand, you know, the challenges that I'm facing and share stories. I mean, it's the most beautiful thing, right? It's sharing a story that is so compelling, not at the surface level again, but at a level that that would relate to me and to my team that would allow us to want to partner and want to make the time and want to invest And, you know, I feel as though, especially in our role, you know, we should be helping push these startups products, not just our own product as the voice of the customer, but a lot of the, you know, startups, you know, that we partner with, we like to give them our own input into the product strategy, not just for ourselves, but for their customers, right? And, you know, as we're a voice to many of the CIOs that they look to sell to. And so it's definitely a win-win for us. 
That's such powerful advice. I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Any recent book you've read that's had an impact on you personally or your work? Well, I mean, I have to say Freddie's book. I don't know if you've read Freddie's book. It's sitting right here. I, I'm getting started in it. Okay. Well, you know, zero to IPO. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get a copy of that. And then the other is actually Shelly, who's on our board, wrote a book, Unapologetically Ambitious, that is, you know, so inspiring and so powerful. And those vulnerable stories are those that inspire us all, you know, to know that we can achieve anything that we put our mind to. And those are two that I would recommend. Those are great. Yeah. Alvina, this has been such an awesome conversation. Maybe one last question, more personally speaking, what's a new or emerging technology that you're personally super excited about? We haven't spent enough time focusing on machine learning. That is an area that is a huge opportunity. We talked a lot about data and and, and the overall data strategy, but we have so much data. And I feel as though there's just a huge, huge opportunity for us to build intelligence. A lot of the products you know, that we deliver you know, actually have, have intelligence in terms of you know, threat insights, for instance, are opportunities for us to have intelligence to be able to predict threats you know, especially being an identity company. So I feel as though there's just a huge opportunity for us to further invest. And, you know, as an organization, we haven't invested enough. That's great. And I feel the exact same way. I just feel like we're just really just getting started in the world with AI and it's going to be a profound impact in the world. And I'm excited to see what, what happens. And we'll do like a, a reunion call in five years and we'll see how the world's changed. Alvina, that was an awesome conversation. I'm excited for our listeners to hear it. And thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Sam. I loved every minute. Thank you, Evan. Thank you. That was Alvina Antar, Chief Information Officer at Okta. Thanks for listening to the Enterprise Software Innovators Podcast. I'm Sam Motamidi, a general partner at Greylock Partners. And I'm Evan Reiser, the CEO and founder of Abnormal Security. Please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find more great lessons from technology leaders and other enterprise software experts at enterprisesoftware.blog. This show is produced by Luke Reiser and Josh Beer. See you next time.